2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 113 of the All Dolphins Podcast. Today is Behind Enemy Lines, where you see we are joined by a good friend Joshua Briscoe here. We'll get to Joshua in a really quick second, uh, as we always do. Recognizing the player for the jersey number of the episode, 13, obviously. There are two players who wore 13 for the Dolphins, Dan Marino. Oh, what
0: a surprise who this is going to be.
2: Rick Scott. How about that? Part of the greatest... Uh, safety tandem in Dolphin history. Yes, I said it. Dan Marino's obviously the best player to wear 13, but he's so obvious, so we'll go Jake Scott, who partnered with Dick Anderson on the Super Bowl teams of the 1970s, came from the, played in the CFL before he played for the Dolphins, was traded because he had a falling out with Don Shula in 1975, I want to say traded to Washington, but that dude could play. Uh, may may have been the most talented player on that perfect season defense.
0: Really? Most okay. talented Full transparency here. I have an issue with all of the 72 guys because I don't acknowledge them for the greatness that they were. Um, and so on a trip to London, uh, and this is – this is, this, is, this is on a trip to London, I happened to be on the plane with a lot of Dolphins people. And one of those elite safeties, I can never remember which one. It was
2: Dick, it was Dick Anderson because Jake Scott was out of circulation for many, many years. So it was okay, so Dick Anderson. Well, it was
0: Dick Anderson. And he just kept telling me how great he was, and how how I got to put more respect on the '72 team and his name. And he's like, "Oh, I got all these records, and I did all this." And I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking to myself, "I'm like, guy, I was born in '77. Give me a break. What do you want me to do?"
2: Well, Omar, he was an NFL Defensive Player of the Year four years before you were born in 1973. Yeah. With that.
0: He was just his mind was blown. How I didn't know him and how I didn't, I still can't even remember which one it is. Like Dick and I apologize. I apologize, Anderson. Dick Anderson. Okay. I'm gonna do some homework on Dick Anderson so I can come back and give a a, a book report.
2: Careful how hey, you Google that. There, there you go, Google. There you go. Um, uh, our good friend Joshua is here. Joshua Briscoe covers the Chiefs. I have to look at my phone because Joshua does 17 million things, so I don't, don't want to leave anything out. He's a hustler. I
0: respect sure. hustlers.
2: He's a grinder. I prefer the term grinder. Co-host of The Zone, host of Chiefs post-game on Sports Radio 810, uh, only weird games on the KC Sports Network, and publisher of Arrowhead Report on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation sister site uh arrowhead report of course we're all dolphins on the fan network joshua how are you my friend
1: i'm great i'm really excited to talk to you guys i just cannot believe i'm talking to you guys after the chiefs lost to the broncos it hasn't happened in eight years so you can't you can't be too mad at me for thinking that wasn't gonna happen but uh yeah it's a weird time of year here in kansas city and i think we're all looking forward to what the the, the game that's been circled on the calendar for the longest is this hey, one that we're shipping off the it
0: hasn't been circled did you guys oh. circle it?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, even just trying to get through the math of what the Germany game was going to be, it was like, all right, well, they can ship the the Bears out there so you can have the Tyreek Hill return at Arrowhead, and it ends up being in Germany, which I think the Chiefs are just fine with, to be fair. But no, this this is, I think, the most fun game on the schedule for the Chiefs. They've, they've had their issues and, and their, their matchups with the Bengals and obviously the Eagles and the Bills, but this is the new one, so it's the one that I think we've talked about the most.
2: Is it possible? And it's funny, too, because before the Dolphins played the Eagles, the Eagles lost against the Jets. So I asked my good buddy, Ed Ed Kratz, is it possible that the Eagles overlooked the Jets looking ahead to the Dolphin matchup? Is it possible the Chiefs overlooked or looked past the Broncos yesterday to the Dolphins matchup?
1: Yeah, I'm not usually a big believer in, like, the trap game because that kind of means that you have to be, like, the animal walking through the forest that steps in a trap. I'm like, oh, man, I can't believe I'm a bear that didn't realize there was a big metal trap on the ground. Uh, but also listening to them talk post game is kind of what it sounded like. I mean, Mahomes had the flu, but Justin Reed, the safety, talking about the defense being kind of on their heels a little bit, and that game was not the defense's fault, to be clear. But Andy Reed talked about, you know, just not, the, the Broncos didn't do anything different than they did when they played Two weeks earlier, so yeah, I mean, if, if it was bad energy, kind of like it was in week one, if it was not having much to add to the game plan, and maybe they're tinkering and saving the good stuff for Miami, I, I don't know. But it, I, I think it's fair to actually say, yeah, that that was a bit of a trap game, and they had their worst day at the office of the year.
0: Hold on, Josh. Uh, so are you telling me that you don't factor in the vision, opponent, and familiarity, and because I mean, it doesn't matter how how what the caliber is of the afc east opponent i can tell you anybody could get anybody in this division is 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 afc west just not the same way
1: no i i do think you'd have to take that into account but we also have to take into account that i believe barack obama was president the last time the broncos beat the chiefs so i mean like that part the afc west for three teams is wide open just throwing punches haymakers left and right and the chiefs have not been that this loss to the broncos was patrick mahomes's first road loss in the afc west and a shocking stat that does not seem right. He's been playing football here for a minute now. His first loss to the Broncos and his first loss on the road in the AFC West.
2: Yeah, and what was it like? Fifteen straight. They had one against. The Sixteen.
0: AFC West. Nobody. Sixteen. Had 16. The
1: seventy-two him. Dolphins would have been talking bleep if they would have if they would have been playing just one consistent season. Sixteen and zero.
0: <laughs> they go. never lost a game on the road in the AFC West.
1: First one happens happened, happened here, on they- Sunday.
2: Dude, they've won the division, what, like seven years in a row? I mean, they they completely own that division. It's crazy. That's why I have, no offense, Joshua, have a little bit of cheese fatigue syndrome, sure. which, which flares up every once in a while. It flares up when the official don't make a blatant DPI call. Uh, I don't know. It was Trent McDuffie at the end of the Minnesota game, like where it seems like every close call goes their way. That's a different topic. Mm-hmm. Um, we were doing the, the our post-game recap on the All-Dolphins podcast Yesterday, and I was I was paying attention to Omar, as I always do it with, Omar, are you there? Okay, sorry. Uh, and with an eye also on the, the, the red zone network. And every time I was looking up and they would show the Chiefs, to me it looked like it was Patrick Mahomes running around in the backfield, look, trying to escape pressure, looking for somebody to throw to. I mean, it was like bad.
1: Yeah that so I I haven't gotten to see the all 22 yet as we do this now and so I I am really really interested to see what was happening downfield but so my little caveat here and I'm I'm doing the post game show for 8:10 like you mentioned so I'm watching the game and then we go live like much like you guys I'm sure doing the post game and it's like all right we, we got to start talking about what we think we saw but you guys know that you got 22 dudes on the field at any given point a lot of stuff is happening so it's it's genuinely difficult to be like 100% like I'm going to be definitive cuz I think being definitive about a game you've only seen a third of the field for is a good way to sound like a fool pretty quickly right but here's what I can oh, say
0: anybody past. before
1: no and that's and that's fair that's fair I feel like we're in we're in polite foolish company but watching Patrick Mahomes which we can do every play he he just he 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 looks like he has lost faith or maybe never found faith in a whole bunch of these pass catchers who don't wear number 87. Rasheed Rice is a rookie. Rookies never do anything in Andy Reid's offense, nothing substantial. He's their best wide receiver right now by a country mile. It's, it's not close, and Mahomes is learning that, and I think trusting that Rasheed Rice had a bad drop as well. But Sky Moore has not taken any steps and, and has not earned any trust. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, in his sixth year yesterday, Mahomes threw a pass to him, and, and from behind, the DB broke it up. Can't remember who it was, but knocked the ball out, and afterwards, the camera cuts to Mahomes, and he's waving back to his face, telling him to come back to the football when that happens to a rookie, it's like come on rook, like pay attention, you know this is what Mahomes wants. When it happens to a 6-year vet who's in his second year with the offense, it's like legitimately concerning. So, I don't think the offensive line had a great game by any means yesterday. Um I'll be very curious again though to see was Mahomes seeing Skymore get open and then just saying, "I don't trust him. I'm going to wait for for Kelsey." And then all of a sudden it, it all comes crumbling down. Or did he just not have options downfield? It, it it seems to me like the, the best chance is there's a little bit of both there happening on Sunday.
0: I I, I do have a cr- tremendous amount of interest in Kadarius Tony. Uh He's a you Florida do. kid that I've never been a fan of. And I just wondered how did Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs get catfished for Tony? <laughs> I, I really want to know because that guy can't catch.
1: Well, they they ended up having him play a pretty large role in his little gadget packages on the way to the Super Bowl last year, which is going to be the thing Chiefs fans say forever is, hey, do you win the Super Bowl without him? I don't know. I don't love that line of thinking because, like, the real truth is that Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Chris Jones, in that order, like, those are the three guys who matter, matter. But regardless, I think other guys could have made some of those plays. I think, I think I've think i been texting the catfish, too, Omar. I really do. Like, I, I keep waiting. I keep thinking, well, maybe... Maybe this is going to be something because I don't know. I, you guys may not be familiar. There was a receiver here named Tyreek Hill for a long time. And yeah?
2: well, yeah. whole, I mean, doesn't he go by the name of uh Tiger or Puma or something? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, leopard, yeah, yeah. The How Leopard, I think.
1: Yeah, the Leopard. Um, and so like really in all seriousness that that explosiveness and that burst has has been a game the Chiefs have been trying to chase and they knew they weren't going to get Tyreek Hill but like I understand why they saw the skill set of Kadarius Tony and thought there's there's more to unpack here and we saw glimpses of it last year but even last year the the logic was hey he can do some stuff for us in 2022 but this is really a move for 2023 and 2023 is here, and unfortunately, the biggest impact he's had this year was letting the ball go through his hands uh, a bunch of times against the Lions in Week One, in a game when they really needed him. So he was the, I believe, the lowest snapped wide receiver for the Chiefs yesterday for the first time this year, uh, partially because Justin Ross didn't play. So, um, but but he he had the fewest reps at, at wide receiver, and at this point, even as someone who is so enticed by his skill set, I wonder I wonder if the Chiefs have anything left to offer there.
2: Here, here's a weird question for you, especially in light of the fact that the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl last year. If they had a do-over, is there any way in hell they reconsider and give Tyreek the money he wants and not make that trade with the
1: Dolphins? I was hoping you'd ask that, and and it's it's because it's fascinating that I could 100% make an argument to either side of it because the offense is missing not just something. This offense is missing Tyreek Hill, and it's really missing a number one wide receiver in a bunch of ways. But the offense was was pretty darn good last year with Juju Smith-Schuster. They're, they're also missing him. The defense right now is by far the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had with the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not even close. It's a legitimate top five unit. And I say that just as confidently after the Broncos game. Every drive, let's see if I still got the numbers off the top of my head, the touchdown drives for the Broncos were 50 yards, 39 yards, and 10 yards. This is not the defense's fault. But to, anyway, to your actual question, I wonder if they'd think about it also in part because trading Tyreek Hill was was partially because you could only pay Tyreek Hill or Chris Jones. And this entire offseason, that Chris Jones saga was a mess. And he ends up playing on what is very, very similar to the same one year he had left on his original contract. So if, if they could go back and trade Chris Jones and, and keep Tyreek Hill and pay him, I wonder if they would think about it. But the defense is so good right now. And the pieces they got in return for Hill have been pretty good. Uh, but I, I do wonder very, very frequently, I wonder what Brett Veach thinks when he's, you know, staring at a ceiling late at night thinking, man, I, I wish this team had a number one wide receiver.
0: Yeah. I, it's, and let me follow up on this, Joshua, because I'm looking at this from an outsider's perspective and, you know, understand that I've spent most of my career talking to executives and GMs who are basically like, we got to find another Tyreek. We got to find we got to find this next Tyreek. And then here the Chiefs are the team that actually has Tyreek and actually has the next-generation wide receiver, um, the the biggest wep, biggest and baddest weapon in the NFL, and they say, you know what, eh, we can't really afford him. We're going to give him away. Um, did Tyreek somehow wear out his welcome, Andy Reid? Because I see he's growing a, a – a, 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 I don't even know what they call that two thing man now. Two-man-two. 2 man Two-man-two. Two. And I yeah, think that's it's to mock Andy. I think it's he's been growing it for a month. And I think it's to mock Andy Reid. Like, did he for this? For, and he said he, he got his haircut back Kansas City style, no more dreads, Ooh. you know, at, at throwback. And he wants you to remember what he once was. So, Fu Manchu, Kansas City throwback, blonde, uh, you know, t- colored top. Did he wear out his welcome in Kansas City?
1: he talks about the chiefs a lot still doesn't he like i don't yeah. i don't even think it's like bitter i don't i don't mean that to be dismissive but he talks about the x a lot i yeah. i don't think i don't think he wore out his welcome i i think he the funny thing is with all the talking about the chiefs he's done and the stuff about how tua throws the best football and, and that he's ever caught and whatever from last year yeah, one I thing that i did on that it well i mean it's also a crazy thing for him to say but like we're just all being honest it's a crazy take but it's fine he can say it it's his current quarterback right now
0: yeah
1: and that's definitely that's definitely the end of the conversation for sure uh i'm sure you guys have handled (laughs) it just that simply the whole time
0: oh my (laughs) god i'm
1: sorry what i i look man i i don't want to anon involved i think he's i think he's I think he's a fine quarterback, and I hope Dolphins. I hope I hope we get to see a rematch of this game in the AFC Championship game, ideally in Kansas City. I would love that. Um, but what was interesting to me last year is, as much as Tyreek was talking about Chief stuff and and loving Tua and feeling at home in Miami and all of that, it never wavered from. Especially Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and even other members of the receiving room, they all still talk about him like like a brother who they love and who they treasure the, the experience with and everything. And I don't think that's nothing like there have been there have been a couple of guys, maybe mostly defensive. So I don't know if I got a great example, but guys who have left, and you don't really hear about it anymore. They still talk about Tyreek and, and seem genuinely like pretty excited for each other's success. That seems mutual. Um, so I don't think he wore out as welcome. But I do think you've seen the Dolphins treat him very differently in a public setting than the Chiefs ever did, which is also very interesting to me.
0: Yeah, Tyreek. Like, can you, can can you,
2: you expand
1: on that?
0: that? Can you expand on that, Joshua?
1: Yeah, I think you guys talked to Tyreek more per week than we did maybe the whole time he was here. I mean, like, they, they, Tyreek Hill was not a podium player in Kansas City. That's an, I'm exaggerating, but that second part is, is true. He was not, he was not a midweek podium player here. We, we got Anthony Hitchens and, um, you know, your, your sort of offensive role players, your, your Mike line, Anthony Hitchens was the Mike linebacker for uh, a couple of years. Like we got a lot more of those, a lot of Tyron Matthew on, uh, which was still good. He, you know, he gives a good quote, but we did not hear from Tyreek Hill very often in Kansas city. That's partially because of the circumstances he entered the league under partially as all of that bubbled around again, a couple of years later. Um, and partially because I just don't think Andy Reid likes having guys at the podium who he doesn't who he thinks might say something that makes it out of the ecosystem. Uh So we just did not we did not like, hear from Tyreek, Tyreek like that. Yeah, Tyreek shocking. I know. Like I know. Can say things I'm...
0: that make it out of the ecosystem? No, no. You
1: guys seem shocked. Yeah,
0: yeah. He has got a podcast. I you know I didn't cover the team last year, so I'm not, I wasn't familiar or aware of Tyreek and and the fact that he'll just say things for effect. So uh, yeah, it need to be said and 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 so i've become more aware that you know he says things for effect um so i don't really take him that seriously and i think anybody that does you're crazy um but so andy reed was basically scared of that
1: i i think again like kind of from the original circumstances they wanted to try to keep that whole conversation out of the way as much as they could and then there was, again, a kind of a whole resurfacing of some more off-the-field stuff a few years in, and that kind of started a whole another little firestorm, and then we just didn't hear from him for a while. Uh, so I think just by, like, the mandatory ways that you have to make players available to the media, we got him post-game a few times. Uh, but, yeah, it's a very—the the Chiefs, like, um, podium strategy, I would say— is is that of an organization that that wants to be buttoned up and and professional and treated like a like an arm of of a political office much more than it's like go out there and say something funny for the social team or whatever. Um, And and Tyreek seems like a like it's Miami is treating Tyreek Hill like a face of the franchise type of guy that you're going to let talk and and let drive engagement and excitement and all of that. And he was not that guy in Kansas City.
2: And But he kind of took on that role by himself last year. The second he came in with some of the comments that he made and immediately with the the massive public backing of Tua, um, and he kind of put himself in that role. Uh, more specifically in, in practical matters, looking to Sunday, what's your take on, on what kind of success the Chiefs can have trying to defend a dude now?
1: It's fascinating because the Chiefs have some great corners, and I still don't know. Uh, Trent McDuffie has been spectacular this year. He, he was drafted last year, missed about six games early in the year with a, an injury that, that cost him the beginning of the season. He he has been playing at an all-pro type of level, really, really stupendous. He he can play inside, outside, as can LeJarius Sneed, who obviously is, is familiar with Tyreek Hill. Um, McDuffie never crossed over. In fact, that pick ended up being somehow connected to Tyreek. I can't remember all of the moves because the Chiefs had to move up again, but um, he's been fantastic. And so if they... They, they, they put Tyreek in the slot. The Chiefs have two options who could play him there. I don't think they would have Sneed follow him outside. Uh, I don't know even how you guys measure where Tyreek Hill lines up and is usually used because there is so much of that horizontal motion pre-snap, which is fascinating because the Chiefs are obviously familiar with that. They've been running that in practice for years. That won't catch Steve Spagnuolo by surprise but still actually covering Tyreek is going to be fascinating. So I I think you probably want, I think I think the Chiefs probably want to see McDuffie get the first shot at him. The funny thing is the Dolphins are not one-dimensional that way. So if you say, all right, you're going to have it be McDuffie as often as you can and then get some some solid safety help from a really good secondary. Justin Reed and Brian Cook back behind there. Uh, Mike Edwards is the third safety, really good player this year. That's all encouraging. They have the pieces. But I don't think that having the pieces means you slow down Tyreek Hill. So I I think he's going to have a big game. I I think that the the Dolphins would be right to try to feed him a big game. I think he's going to be very, 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 very ready for this game.
0: McDonald's presents Burger Reviews by Hamburglar. Today's review, the hotter, juicier, classic burgers. Hamburglar, the time is yours. Bravo, bravo. He said, these are McDonald's best burgers ever. And then, can I keep them? And then he just grabbed them and ran away. Bravo.
1: Now get a Big Mac or double cheeseburger for two bucks in the app. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Must opt into rewards. Visit McD app for details. Available at most restaurants in this area. Comparison of McDonald's classic burgers to prior burgers. Uh, but I, I think Chiefs defense is legitimate. I just think it's going to be a little bit of a, a back and forth.
0: Now I want to ask you about the defense you you, you keep talking about Chris Jones and I, I watch him train down here at bomberrito and, and he's Oh, yeah he's he was
1: there instead of a training camp yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs>
0: he's a monster. he's a monster and I, I know bomberrito does it does everything um phenomenally well so he he came back in in great shape how how is it is this defense just Chris Jones or are other other guys who are who are who are scary presences?
1: great question. It's not just Chris Jones, which is a little bit of a new development but it's still first and foremost with it begins with chris jones because what opposing offenses will do i mean there is an amount i haven't seen like a new one of the new uh dot charts for the last couple of weeks but generally speaking if you if you're looking at like one of those one of those charts for pass rush win win rate and double team rate look to the top right corner and that's where chris jones is going to be he's getting double teamed constantly and he's winning a ton even with that so like yesterday George Karloftis made a great play that was because the entire focus from that side of the line was on doubling Chris Jones so he he's he's the straw that stirs the drink whatever he's the keystone he's everything that begins with Chris Jones um and and so that's how the Dolphins are going to treat him I certainly imagine he also can go outside especially in third down passing situations try to Mm -hmm. hunt a one-on-one matchup which I think is going to be a big part of the game plan here but no, but it's not just him. A defensive end and inside. Charles Menehu just came back from a suspension. He's been very, very good, and he can play inside-outside, maybe even better on the interior. Uh, the defensive line coach, Joe, Joe Cullen, mentioned a week or two ago, uh, he invoked the Steve Spagnuolo giant Super Bowl defensive lines with just four defensive ends out there across the line. They're doing that again this year. Mike Dana can go inside-outside, George Karloftis. Uh, can do a little inside-outside. He's a huge, huge dude, but he's more comfortable on the edge still. Um, that that front four and the rotation they can get through with those guys is really, really fun. And I think that's a big part of why this is, is working that way also. And then I already shouted out a bunch of the defensive backs who've had really nice seasons. Um, Joshua Williams and Jalen Watson are kind of always rotating, fighting, matchup by matchup even, uh, for that third cornerback spot. They're going to be on the field. They're going to have to have good games. It's a good unit all the way around. I And the linebacker group, even without Nick Bolton, starting Mike linebacker, still fantastic as well. Drew Tranquil has been great uh, stepping in for, for Bolton so far this year. So it's a really, really talented defense. It, but Chris Jones is first and foremost.
0: You, you know, one thing I do notice about those front running teams um, and the Dolphins are, are working their way to become what the Chiefs are, but you're generally playing with a lead, which allows your defense to pin their ears back. Now, when they're playing a high powered offense like the Miami Dolphins, do they can keep pace?
1: Yeah, yo, know, I do. I, I really, I have fully kind of just doubled down on this defense pretty much every step along the way, and I have not regretted it yet. Um, I, I think that they have the depth for things like just getting fresh legs out there, and I think that the, again, specifically the secondary from a speed perspective, no one has Tyree Kill speed on this defense, but in terms of standing up as well as any defense can, I, I do think the Chiefs will put up a good effort that way.
2: Uh, do we have to talk about Taylor Swift if we're doing a Kansas City behind enemy lines, or can we skip? Can we skip that?
1: I got a hat over here actually. I was gonna bring this just for you guys if you want my my I'm just here for Taylor oh, hat. Nice. Oh, um, I like that. This is the funniest thing for me because you know surrounding circumstances. So no, she looked she wasn't there for the Denver game and they lost. There, so there they, they showed the graphic at the beginning of the game, and we all kind of like a little tongue-in-cheek groaned of like they're even even when she's not here, they're putting up the stats of Tyreek with her or excuse with, wait, whoa whoa, Frodie and Slip of, of Travis Kelsey with Taylor Swift here and Travis Kelsey without Taylor Swift. And then he didn't have as good of a game as he had when she's been around. And then we were like, okay, fine. Like CBS wins. They they win again. They put her on the screen. Kelsey had a bad game. I mean, by his standards, whatever. But uh, yeah, it's been wild and, and kind of fun. But I, I do not expect to see her in Germany, unfortunately. Speaking of
2: Germany, what are the Chiefs travel plans? The Dolphins are flew out there on Monday. What are the Chiefs travel plans?
1: This is a great question. And I meant to have this for you. No one asked about it post-game yesterday. No one asked Andy Reid about it last week. And as we are here right now, I don't know. Um, I did hear that they were making very, very clear that they were not talking about Germany in the building this last week to stay focused on the Broncos. And that didn't work. So uh I, I am hoping to find out in the future past. People may know when those when those plans are, but the Chiefs have not the Chiefs have not said those plans as we podcast at this moment.
2: Interesting.
1: Yeah, kinda weird.
2: Yeah. I
1: was surprised too. With
0: with uh Patrick Mahomes, uh obviously he's having a upper echelon season. I think he's probably the one marquee quarterback in this league that's unquestioned, unrivaled. Uh where is there room for improvement or consistency especially when you have such a young receiving core unit or unproven receiving core unit.
1: Right now, right now I would say he looks a little unsettled. Um I and I again, I don't know how much of that is directly the fault of the receivers, how much of that is the fault of the offensive line, and how much of that is his own fault. If he needs to, uh, whoa! Hey, here you. How about this? Uh, I'll tell you right now. The Chiefs are traveling on Thursday, so they will make a late trip um, uh, to Germany. Just found that out. There we go.
0: Dolphins will be there all week. It's interesting.
1: McDaniel, Mike McDaniel wanted them to have
0: their day off in Germany, so
1: I think that's kind of fun. And maybe the Chiefs yeah. would have if they would have beaten the Broncos. I don't know if that changed or what. I don't know if that's we're practicing on Monday now. I don't. I don't know. I'm guessing they had. Yeah, those you,
0: plans you don't I'm change sorry, those but. arrangements because families are going, so they probably yeah, always boy. plan to go on, on yeah. Thursday.
1: So a late chip for them. But yeah, anyway, I, I think, I do think it is, I think right now it is a matter of figuring out who you actually trust and then being able to look beyond Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I think he would like to do that. Obviously, he did it last year with Juju Smith-Schuster, plenty. But I, I think right now it's, it's just a matter of those pieces coming together. And if Mahomes is doing everything he can to bring those pieces together.
2: Uh, if I look at the offensive line, correct me if I'm wrong, I see if there are spots to be attacked there, it would be more with Jawan Taylor and Donovan Smith at tackle than it would be the interior guys of Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, and Joe Tooney. Am I correct?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we all heard plenty about Jawan Taylor's penalties early in the year, and the penalties have gone away, which is what I expected. But he also hasn't looked super solid out there. And again, if if you can get Patrick Mahomes to bail the pocket early, that was a problem late against the Broncos. He had one rep where he bailed and didn't need to, and ran right into the defensive end. And he had another rep later where he ran right into Donovan Smith, which was not great for either of them. Uh, I think Donovan Smith may have gotten credit for that sack, or at least he should have. But yeah, I think I think that's probably right. It hasn't been atrocious, but it, it hasn't been the upgrade they paid for for, for Juwan Taylor, certainly. Donovan <laughs> Smith's been been about right for his for his salary hit, you know, one-year small deal for him. Is Juwan Taylor's Taylor, not been ideal.
2: Is Taylor still cheating on, the, on dropping too quickly on his pass sets? Or lining, we done, lining, up, oh, you, lining up behind the line?
1: Okay. I thought you were talking about the other Taylor again. Oh, no, no, um no. <laughs> I I that's been another fun game we have is, you know, Travis and Taylor. There we go. 87 and 74. Um, no, I I really haven't seen it pop the last couple of weeks. I think they I think they figured out a little bit there, and it's right back to just what the rest of the league does in, in terms of tackle alignment. Um so I actually like yesterday might have been uh, the first time that I wasn't watching for an un a misalignment for Juwan Taylor. I think i finally stopped looking for it. Maybe refs have to.
0: Do you think that that Patrick Mahomes I am it's it's odd that you I would question his game but is a little bit too undisciplined in terms of wanting to get out the pocket and scramble and not be traditional or is it a fine line
2: Dude, that's part I, of it that's part of his magic
1: yeah I I, I I think it's important to make sure that never gets you know like taken away from him or kind of uh coached out of him or whatever there have been times when it's been taken just because his mobility has been taken a little bit yeah but no I I think right now it I think I think it can be a sign that things aren't going well, but I think that's usually not because Mahomes is doing something poorly. I think if you see him getting jittery and unsettled and looking around and, and and scrambling a little more often, sometimes it's because the the whole defense drops and that's fine. Some if if he if he takes off and doesn't pick up the first down, it's because something did not did not go according to plan.
2: Here's, here's the thing, though, is, as I look, and the, the wide receiver issue started the first game because we, we talked about it, You mentioned it. They lost that game. I have never. I don't think I've ever seen a game where it was lost because of the wide receivers, yeah. and that was the case. And Omar, they dropped about eight passes, one of which went straight into the hands of a, of a Lions player for a pick six. In a game, they lost by one. I don't even think that's in question. My thing is, was this like roster malpractice to leave the wide receiver core like this, not re-signing Juju? The year after you dumped Tyree Kill, um, I don't know who else they lost. Well, they they lost Nicole Hardman and they brought him back, but I
0: don't know if he's yeah, right. a good Was but- that a desperate move? I
1: I think the Hardman move made some sense, but it was certainly not a good sign that they were you know clearly not not happy with where the receiving group was. I think that's I think that's pretty obvious. And, and it's a good question, Alan, because I I have wondered the same thing. We talked we've talked man we talked about receivers so much this off season, and that's the thing where it's like come on like. The Chiefs had to know because we were all talking about it. And drafting Rasheed Rice in the second round at SMU was a was a good pick. Everyone's happy with that, and he's on the right track. I think what happened this year is that they were betting on specifically Sky Moore and Kadarius Tony taking steps to become legitimate, not number one and number two wide receiver, not not not, not number one and two number two pass catchers for this offense, because Travis Kelsey exists. But if they could be the number one and two receivers on this team and be two and three options behind Kelsey and, you know, put Isaiah Pacheco in there somewhere and say, hey, be the third and fourth options in this offense that we can rely on. Yeah. I do think this offense would look a lot better, especially with Rasheed Rice being maybe better earlier than expected. But those guys did not take those steps. Kadarius Tony missed all of training camp because he got hurt fielding punts before the first full team practice of oh, camp. Stop it. he sucks. It's uh it's He's it's a devastating punts. It's, he got, he got hurt and, and needed surgery in, like, punt warm-up before the first practice. He's, he's, he's played every game since then, um, it, although he's been banged up plenty, which is, you know, unsurprising. But I, I think they put a lot of weight on on him and Sky Moore this offseason, and, and neither one of them have taken a step
0: there. It, it was malpractice of, of the roster, and and you guys knew it. It's, you know, it's, everything doesn't pan out for you, but if you look at Andy Reid's history of wide receivers, it's not so good. And, and
1: that's been the case for for Veach also i mean it's it, it has not been a success story for for the chiefs in terms of wide receiver drafting and development i know they were worried about juju from an injury perspective and that's kind of a you know that's been part of his career as he's a he said himself he's a young guy with old knees so i understand why they don't want to give him a three-year deal but like if the patriots were actually interested in moving him that's the call i would have made before i called about McCole hardman
0: Mm. Uh, Patriots might be interested. I mean, they, I don't think they have much use for him. I think he played last week for the first time in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I think um, that might have, that might have kept been him been out of the been rotation hurt. a
2: little bit. But. He'd been hurt, and yesterday right. he only played a few snaps, and Belichick was asked about him and gave one of his patented, brilliant, long-winded answers. We went to play everybody. We played other players. Um, this is kind of a generic question, but it needs to be asked because I think people might might ask, why is it that even, even when everybody knows Mahomes is looking for Travis Kelsey, why is it that he keeps putting up big numbers week after week after week
1: because because even when Travis Kelsey is the focal point he will still produce that connection will still work they just see the field differently and in a unified way that is truly incredible so that's that's the beginning of it and then beyond that it's because when you do pay that level of attention to Travis Kelsey, someone else is going to come open at some point, you guys are all going to look around and say, who is Justin Watson? Because you you may have briefly remembered him as largely a special teamer in Tampa. Well, now he's the Chiefs' best deep threat. Like, that's that's just kind of, he's got a big Rob Gronkowski uh, elbow brace on right now, too, because he dislocated his elbow a couple of weeks ago, so he looks even crazier. Um, but, but there is a weird element there where even like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who I've mentioned, who's not been, been terribly productive this year, on a broken play last week, He ends up coming open downfield. Mahomes finds him there, and you go, okay, that's Mahomes keeping a play alive, finding something open, all the receivers knowing a play's never dead, and you will produce some that way. The offense isn't broken fundamentally, but the Broncos game is, I think, the worst example we've seen this year by a pretty wide margin. I think that's going to be a little bit more of an outlier um so I I think that they've they've also been good between the 20s by and large they've had terrible red zone struggles this year uh so the the numbers are still there in in a lot of the yardage uh metrics and everything actually scoring once they get down there has been a a big problem though and that's not even new for the Chiefs and Andy Reid honestly
0: where do you think this team needs to go from a coaching standpoint in order to get to that next level I I know it's it's different when you're the hunted and everybody is hunting you it is the Dolphins will be hunting you uh, as opposed to most teams are hunting them, uh, the Dolphins will be hunting you. But where is the next level for Andy Reid in order to get this team to where Chiefs expect it to be?
1: I think it's a good note that you're right. I mean, every week it's all right. We're playing the Chiefs, and if you're the Chiefs, it's all right. It's Wednesday, and I do think <laughs> I do think that changes a little bit. of It's it's a little bit of an asymmetrical sort of focus, but the Chiefs obviously can't use that as an excuse. Certainly, um, it's an interesting question. Because the the thing that happened against the Broncos that is going to stick with me this week, the Chiefs didn't get anything easy ever. Nothing was easy in that game. That Isaiah Pacheco was running the ball pretty well. I think he got eight carries on five yards a carry. Could definitely just hand the football to him more often and let him do the thing where he stomps on the ground like he's trying to hurt it. Do that five yards at a time and give Patrick Mahomes second and five. And if it's second and eight, it's okay. Because otherwise it was going to be second and 10. I I think that there is a little bit of a lack of trust that the chiefs can win playing somewhat normal football. And so you get a lot of the trickeration kind of things in the red zone. You get a lot of the shotgun uh, wildcat Kadarius, Tony snaps uh, trying to convert third and one or fourth and one, just because I know how much you love Kadarius, Tony, Um, that, that element of it is a little bit strange because obviously it's like, Patrick, you don't want to take away Patrick Mahomes' improv and, and scrambling. You don't want to tell Andy Reid to be less creative. Like, that's not actually what I mean. But there is some element of like, hey, if if you guys just want to try to get like a three-yard carry here, can you can you do it? If, so if you just want to throw the ball four yards. And, and, little- and, 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 and honestly, a little bit. A little bit is the right term. I, I don't want them running the ball 80% of the time at all. But, but is there a chance for you to just rishi rice for seven it doesn't have to be on the ground is, is there some easy stuff that you can get there especially when defenses are trying to play back and say we're going to keep everything in front of us which is kind of in the handbook the chiefs won a super bowl against that handbook to be clear but like that's kind of the default for opposing defenses and and i think until the chiefs make you pay for that that's the way to do it
2: uh not necessarily asking you for a prediction but before we let you go do you have a feel for how the game goes do you feel pretty confident the Chiefs come back bounce back and look more like the Chiefs that we know or are you do you think this is a game where the Dolphins establish themselves as the new team to beat in the AFC
1: I tell you what it would Whoa, be that's fascinating it, it I mean but there's a chance to do it if, if the Dolphins at 8 30 a.m central time go out there and if this game is 40 to 20 Things will get wild here in a way they have not in a very long time, and I think deservedly so. Um, I do think they will look like themselves, though. I I kind of I tweeted yes, uh, yesterday that like um my my official view of the Broncos game is that it's an embarrassing loss, inexcusable mistakes, shows a lot of the problems that the Chiefs have down at a deep level. Chiefs thirty, Dolphins twenty seven. Like that's kind of the, that's that's where I'm at, and I you know don't don't hold me to the prediction, but that's
2: kind of where oh, I'm late, at. Is the Chiefs for that, too late for that?
1: That's fine. Do then hold me that. to it. It's on record now. It's okay. I feel I feel all right about it. But that's kind of the funny thing: is the Chiefs have flaws, they have problems that have cost them games this year. And I still think if you made me bet on where the AFC Championship game will be played, I would say I will bet on Kansas City, Missouri, because that has been a good bet for every single one of the last yeah. half decade of of of, of 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 postseason. So I I think they will look more like themselves, and I think that this would not be a fun week to be at arrowhead, not a fun week to be at practice, not a fun week to be on that plane. But I think, it, I think it will be a fun plane ride back if they do win this game and can actually say that's what chiefs football actually looks like. Not what happened in week one and, and not what happened against the Broncos. Do,
0: do you think that that loss could be a catalyst to help you guys get the season kind of on solid footing? I know you you've had success, but yeah, it's, it's different when you're the hunted and I think the chiefs know that.
1: Yeah, I I think taking a big punch here. I mean, the last question from Mahomes' presser yesterday, somebody asked, you know, hey, how do you uh, keep this from being a domino game? And Mahomes' answer was, it won't be. And then the press conference ended. <laughs> like that's kind of there's a there's a little bit of like Batman smoke bomb kind of energy going on. But they can do that all week. They have to. They obviously have to show that actually on the field in Germany. Um, I I think I think there will be some element of that. that's a, a little bit vulcanizing or whatever that uh, ultimately solidifies them getting back in the right headspace. But it also makes this game a lot riskier because if if they had one loss and the Dolphins got them in Germany by a field goal, you could say, you know, that's a great team and, and we're just chugging along, still the number one seed in the AFC with the tiebreakers. Yeah. That will not be the case if they lose to the Dolphins.
0: Yeah. No, do, you, then- do, you, do you look at this as a game that could ultimately decide who hosts the AFC championship
1: game? Oh, huge chance for that. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs have the Chiefs have a tiebreaker over the Jags already who are sneaky up there with two losses um but well let's you can What's you can wave it, it, it off is, they're there they're there it? yeah it's, i don't know what to, i don't know what to tell you uh there's the standings, the standings. Have a
2: schedule left and i know you don't buy the schedule but they play in the afc south omar come on man
1: yeah the the afc south is good is terrible when they play anyone except for the chiefs and they always get like two wins against them it feels like most years but yeah i i i do think this game ends up being huge for that uh but i i the chiefs have plenty of chances to sub their toe the rest of the way the dolphins have plenty of chances to stub their toe the rest of the way so it's a long season it feels like we're both about uh maybe week. it feels like we're about week three in some ways and it feels like week 15 and others And i guess that's probably what you want at about the uh the midseason point
2: no i my omar you were kind of like raise your eyebrows when i said if the dolphins win this game they're they're establishing themselves as a team to beat in the afc they will at worst be tied for the worst record in the conference and have just beaten the team that went to the Super Bowl last year. So I don't know what more of a, of a stamp or validation.
0: I I look at the dolphins. I think they'll, I think the dolphins are a 12 win team talent wise, as long as they don't start getting depleted at the offensive line and Toronto Armstrong comes back. There's a lot of reinforcements coming. So I believe in this dolphins team. Um, What my concern is, uh, can they, you know, and I don't want to say, can they beat those elite teams? And I think this is a good matchup. That's a better matchup for them than Buffalo and than Philadelphia. Yeah, there's Chris Jones and then who? You, you understand what I'm saying? So I just told I, you,
2: Mike Dana, George Karloftis, uh Charles Aminahou
0: who's going to cause some problems. Charles
2: Aminahou, thank you. It's not just Chris Jones.
0: Uh, against this offensive line? Yeah, sure. Okay. But let, let Teron Armstead come back. We got a different story here.
1: You I'm, can't I'm, talk I'm, about the rematch before this game's happened, man. I mean, you're already you're chalking this up as a loss. That's, no, no
0: that's is probably coming back this week.
1: Oh, fantastic. Oh, okay, oh, that's oh, great. Oh, oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we don't know that. Oh, okay. Oh, All right. No, no, All no, right. No. I, I was like, "Well, oh, I didn't <laughs> know that." And I was like, yeah, "Neither did Joshua. I."
2: Yeah, Joshua just for, so we established the facts correctly, he is eligible to return from IR this week. Okay. So the first step is going to be he's going to be designated to return, practice, and then see how the week works to suggest on the, on Monday, he's definitely playing. Sunday, I think it may be a little bit of a stretch. But Omar, I hope you're right. But I think it's you're making it sound like it's a done deal.
0: Connor Williams coming back. Toronto Arm says coming back. Let's write it down.
2: There you go. We've heard it here he
0: first.
2: With, hey, Jalen Ramsey's
1: with, back. That actually did happen. So that yeah, was right. Yeah.
0: Say Toronto Arm says saw what Jalen Ramsey did. He says I'm duplicating it. Does that mean bring he back that goal?
1: safety from earlier that you hate too? That old guy from the 72 Dolphins whose name I've already forgotten. Oh, Dick right. something. Dick <laughs> Anderson. Bring back Dick I Anderson. I got it too.
2: <laughs> there you go. Le- leave it to me to come up with the old names. <laughs> all right. I think that on that note, we we're start- we- were starting. we starting to like go off the rails, sir. On that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Joshua, thank you very, very much for the inside, the fun times, the great conversation we just had. Uh, we will be back here tomorrow, Wednesday, where – going to be the first practice and we will know whether teron armstead has been designated to return among other things that we will discuss he's coming back (laughs) okay there you go well we'll just confirm it we'll confirm it it won't be a revelation but we'll confirm it in the meantime thanks for watching i'll catch you guys everybody tomorrow
0: Visit alldolphins.com for the latest news, analysis, and columns, and it's all free. You can find Omar Kelly and Alan Poupard on the All Dolphins Podcast, discussing South Florida's NFL team on YouTube and anywhere you find your audio podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, like, and share so you stay in the know.